Welcome to another life-impacting message from City Light Church, North Adelaide. You can find more great things like this at citylight.church slash North Adelaide. Again, welcome. Merry Christmas. Great to be here today as we celebrate Jesus Christ, the Saviour of the world, who has been born to us this day, and uh, we celebrate him. Uh, all that we do here at City Light Church, North Adelaide, is about Jesus. Uh, we, we seek to point everyone to Jesus, and everything we do flows out of all that Jesus has done for us. Um, if you're a visitor here today, um, a really warm welcome to you. Up the back on the back table are a, a few little um, pieces of paper. They're called Connect Cards. Um, if you are here today and you'd just like to find out a bit more information about um, who we are here at City Light Church North Adelaide, if you'd like to find out a bit more about who Jesus is, uh, you can fill one of those out and pop it uh, in one of the boxes at the back or hand it to me uh, or give it to someone you've come with and it'll get to the right person. But we'd love to connect with you, um, not just today, uh, but ongoing. Um, and uh, that is our desire, ultimately not just to connect with us, but connect you to Christ. Uh, that's what we're on about. It is Christmas, um, and I just thought I'd mention as well, um, if, you know, you, if you get a bit restless and you feel like you want to do some colouring in or something like that today, um, you're very welcome to just step out of this space into the space next door. Uh, there are always a bit of... A bit of yeah, Nick, there you go. I'm with you, Nick. Um, uh, there is uh, some, some pages in there. Um, you know, if you feel young or if you are young, uh, you're very welcome to step into there and do some uh, colouring in some activities as well. Um, there you go. Um, but, you know, for all of us, um, young at heart and young indeed, um, take a look at the screen as we uh, think about Christmas together. before toys, a time before everything, God made the world a time long ago. And just like carpenters make stuff out of wood, God made the world and it was really good. He made all the plants, he made all the trees, he made animals, birds and he made you and me. And that time long ago, that time that was good, God walked beside humans through the trees in the wood. But the humans he made, like you and like me, said mean things and were really quite nasty. They'd thump and they'd punch and they wouldn't make amends. And so God and humans could no longer be friends. But to be friends again, God had a plan. One day he would send a very special young man. So it happened one day, or maybe in the night, an angel came to Mary and gave her quite a fright. Don't be afraid, get scared or jump. God's going to give you a big belly bump. Your belly bumps a baby and he will be the great one. Why not call him Jesus? He really is God's son. Now, inside Mary, a baby was growing and Joseph stared at the baby bump showing, a bit worried about how the baby got there he scratched his head and twizzled his hair. But when Joseph was snoring, in his dream he had a visit. An angel said Mary would give birth through the Spirit. There's a baby inside Mary, a tiny precious life. But don't be afraid, says the angel. Name him Jesus and take Mary as your wife. Then Mary set off travelling with Joseph right beside. They walked and talked for miles and miles until Bethlehem arrived. 
with a baby inside Mary who was going to be king. When they finally arrived, there was no room at the inn. So a place was found by Haystack and Corn, and in this spot the baby was born. So they stayed in the shed where animals fed, and the baby had straw instead of a memory foam bed. Then there were shepherds, maybe cleaning their shoes, trying to scrape off the smelly sheep poos. Till all of a sudden, something weird. From absolutely nowhere, this angel appeared. Don't be afraid, that's what I say. Say hi to the baby in a manger full of hay. The sheep looked at the shepherds. The shepherd looked at the sheep. Don't be noisy, tiptoes please. Baby Jesus is fast asleep. Shh. Next, wise men travelled ever so far. But they didn't use Google Maps. They followed a star. So the wise blokes found Jesus next to animals with fur. And they brought in some gold, frankincense and myrrh. And then baby became boy. And boy grew to man. He made stuff out of wood. He was a carpenter man. And he did lots of cool stuff. He healed the sick told great stories and was amazing all the time. He even walked on water and turned water into wine. Remember when people wouldn't make amends and when God and humans could no longer be friends? Well, it didn't end there. Because Jesus the baby and Jesus the man was the exact same Jesus in God's rescue plan. He lived and he died on a cross made of wood. He died for you and me to make our wrong into good. But something happened after Jesus died that was worth a big high five. Because three days later, he came back again. Jesus really was alive. So don't get scared or jumpy. And don't be afraid. Why? Because I will be with you, says Jesus. Not for a bit, but always. Right till the end of the age. And that's even longer than a really, really long time. That's the, uh, the really good news of Christmas uh, that comes from the Word of God. We, we discover the true meaning of Christmas in the Bible. And uh, we're going to hear from God's Word right now. Liz and Simon are going to come up and bring us our readings today. Isaiah 9 and also Luke chapter 2. Come on down, guys. Happy Christmas, everyone. Uh, So the Isaiah reading is found on page 1072, and it's chapter 9, beginning at verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of the shadow of death, the light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, 
and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So the second reading is from Luke chapter 2, and you can find it on page 1590 of the Pew Bibles. So that's page 1590, and it's Luke 2, verses 1 to 21. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. And everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise him, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he had been conceived. Uh, do keep Luke chapter 2 open in front of you uh, in whatever form you have it, uh, be that uh, paper or electronic um, 
I, I hope uh, today uh, will be all that you've pictured it to be. I, I don't know what picture of this day or Christmas day or Christmas period you have in your mind, but I do hope that it is all that it, um, you sort of have pictured it to be. Uh, my day or my sort of Christmas period is going to plan. Uh, so yesterday, racing around last minute, trying to find some last minute gifts for various people. Uh, watching my wife wrap presents, endless numbers of presents, into the evening. And then, you know, at about 10.30 last night, Adele said, oh, we've got this little wheelbarrow. Can we build that for Fletcher? So there I was out in the shed with some spanners and all that sort of stuff building that. And this morning, up early, you know, bam, 6.30, kids are awake, let's rip the presents open. And we've restrained them to just two, um, hoping we can do a bit more later on. Anyway, I don't know. I don't know what you have in mind, what picture you have in mind for today, but I do hope that it is all that you have pictured it to be. Um, let's pray as we come to God's word this Christmas day. Father, we thank you and praise you for your goodness to us. Thanks for this day. Thanks for giving us the gift that we all need, even though it's not the gift that we all kind of desired. Father, we thank you that you have invaded this world in the person of your son, not through Rome, not through Jerusalem, but through the womb of a woman named Mary. Thank you that you've given us Jesus. Uh, thank you that he is the rescuer uh, that we need from our sins. And so, Lord, we pray that as we think about your word this morning, we pray, Lord, that by your spirit, we would see Jesus. By your spirit, we would hear Jesus. By your spirit, we would delight in Jesus. And Father, we pray that we'd all leave here worshipping Christ, loving him more than we did when we came in. And this we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. I do hope that today is indeed all that you pictured it to be. Christmas is a... um, A very sensory and visual time of the year, wouldn't you agree? A really sensory and visual time of the year. We see all around us vibrant red. We see vibrant green. Lockie sporting a bit of vibrant red for us tonight on top of his head, or this morning on top of his head. Um, We see these vibrant red and green colours splashed around everywhere. Uh, The colours appear on brochures. They appear on our clothes. They appear on the table settings that you might have already laid out if you're more organised than us um, for your friends and family to come around and enjoy. Um, Yeah, even those... For us, right, the images are all around. Even those you know, of us who were born here in Australia or raised here in Australia, um, we still see the images, right, of stockings hanging before an open fire. Uh, we see images of snow-covered pine trees on Christmas cards or mulled wine. And somehow in Australia, they even scream Christmas to us, even though we often spend Christmas on a day like today, pretty hot, 30 degrees or so, um, Ovens on, sweating it out, cooking the turkey or whatever you've got going. Um, And of course, this year we are surrounded by fire uh, in many ways. Um, Images of Christmas. Um, It's a visual time. And and we all carry with us, right, images of Christmas's past, the the fun, but also the tension of those family get-togethers. We have images of shopping centre photos of family sitting awkwardly on Father Christmas's knee. Um, This was the one that was taken of my family yesterday, um, and notably, I was excluded. Um, You know, I wasn't allowed to be part of it, but I don't know if you've done that uh, this year, but they're the images we have, imagery all around us of Christmas. And that's before we even get to, like, the biblical imagery of Christmas. You know, the nativity, which we've kind of watched and and heard about, the, the stable, the animals, Joseph, Mary, Magi, shepherds, and of course, there's the baby Jesus. Christmas is the time, isn't it, of, I think, sensory 
overload. It's also a time of probably eating and drinking kind of overload as well. I don't know if you've reached that point yet. There are so many visual stimuli and impressions vying for our attention. Now, this is, um, this is not hard research by any stretch, right? But I typed into Google Images the word Christmas, and I was given about 250 million images, and I went through each one melodically. No, um, <laughs> 250 images, right? I then typed in Easter, only 13 million. About 3%, right, of the, the number. Christmas is a visual time. Why does that matter? It matters because pictures shape our experience. They shape our expectations. We have a picture in mind, right, of what we think Christmas will be, what our experience should be, and then we act to make that kind of happen. Um, that's why you bothered hitting the shops like everyone else across Adelaide over the past few weeks. That's why you, maybe, maybe you didn't, but that's why you stayed up late last night wrapping gifts for people. That's why you bothered to set the table just so because you have these expectations of what Christmas is going to be and you act to seek them to make that happen. Christmas is visual. We need to recognise, right, the power of those images. And this Christmas morning, right, I want us to embed a clear image of Jesus in our minds as we set up today. The tiny baby, the total saviour. Jesus, the tiny baby and the total saviour. And I want us to think about Jesus today as the tiny baby, the the total saviour, not just because I want us to to worship and adore and delight in him just today. I want to do it so that every day, until we meet him and enjoy him forever, we might worship and delight and adore Jesus. So let's start with this idea of a, a tiny baby, which causes us to think of just the humility of God, the extraordinary humility of God. We're familiar with the details Uh, Simon just read to us Luke chapter 2. You probably know most of the details really well. There's the irony, right, of of Caesar Augustus, who is taking a census of the entire Roman Empire, all the while failing to notice that the king of the universe has just been born. There's the the controversy surrounding Mary's pregnancy that Luke highlights for us in verse 5. She's expecting a child, and yet she's not yet married. It's possible, right? You know how we we read and we we hear all the time while there was no room for them at the inn? Very possible that that was true, that it was a busy time, people couldn't find space in the inn. There's a really high likelihood that Mary and Joseph were shunned by the society of the day because of the status of Mary. And so they said, no, you're not allowed to stay here. That's one of the highlights. But you know, we, we, the Caesar Augustus missing out on the king of the universe being born. Mary not finding a place to stay. And then there's this mixed bag of group of visitors that turn up to celebrate the newborn on this day. At one end of the spectrum, right, you've got the angelic chorus in chapter 2, verse 13. Creation, right, the angels. Creation has no more mysterious, no more exalted beings than angels, and they gather together to praise, testifying to heaven's reaction. It says, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to men and women on whom God's favour rests. You've got the angels praising Jesus, the birth of the Son of God. But the other end of the spectrum, the recipients of the the announcement of the coming of the Messiah, it's not the Roman Emperor, it's not Caesar Augustus, it's not Quirinius, the local governor. It's a bunch of shepherds 
the bottom rung of the ancient culture's workforce. They're the ones who get the announcement of the coming of Jesus. I mean, right here, right, at the very first Christmas, God is overturning the world order. It's remarkable. Now, we're familiar with that picture, right? We see plenty of nativity scenes, but let me highlight just one feature for us. The swaddled baby in a manger. It's it's a strange detail, but Luke repeats it. I don't know if you noticed, three times in Luke chapter 2, Luke repeats it. Three times that there's this baby clothed in swaddling and lying in a manger. It's like Luke's way of kind of bolding it, you know, on your computer or underlining it. This is really important. Um, So if you have your Bible there, Luke chapter 2, verse 7. Luke chapter 2, verse 7. She gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Uh, Verse 12. This will be a sign to you you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And then verse 16. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. Now, there's nothing particularly remarkable, right, about kind of cloth. I mean, I brought one of mine along. No, it's not mine. One of my babies from a bit long past. Here's here's a swaddling cloth, right? Pretty unremarkable, yeah? Um, I'm thinking this is a bit prettier than the one that Jesus probably was wrapped up in on that first Christmas. Um, it's, it's nice, it's got a, some caterpillars on it, but it's pretty unremarkable. You know, the, I don't know if you know, but we use these, you know, you use these to wrap up a baby. It, it provides the baby with some warmth, it provides the baby with comfort and sort of a sense of security and togetherness and things like that. That's just a swaddling. The manger, though, it's a little more unusual. It's, a, it's an animal feeding trough. It's, it's so familiar to us, but so remarkable. Because when you picture the scene, you're really seeing the humility of God. That the uncontainable and infinite God is wrapped up in swaddling like this. A tiny bit of cloth. The creator now becomes the weakest part of creation. The one to whom we all look for our security, our sustenance, whom we depend on, becomes himself dependent and demanding. This is humility. Now, now humility, right? When we think about humility, humility isn't that thing where you say, oh, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not that good. You know that sort of thing we do? Oh, you're really great at that. No, 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 no I'm not that good. That's false humility, right? Real humility is not pretending to be less than who you are. It is to be who you are, but to put other people's needs before your own, even if, in inverted commas, you're more than them. Humility, like real humility, is to put other people's needs before your own, irrespective of who you are. It's difficult. But when we glimpse humility, when we glimpse real humility, it is, it is moving, it is powerful. And I don't know, it's appropriate, I think, that we, we speak of this situation we find ourselves in across Australia right now with, with bushfires blazing up and down the east coast of Australia, with, with recent bushfires that have been burning across the Adelaide and parts of the Adelaide Hills, devastating lives and businesses, homes, property, some people. Fires on Kangaroo Island. And I think it's really staggering, right, the humility of the men and women who volunteer to fight those fires, who, who, for the good of others, 
step onto the front line and fight those fires. Some paid, many volunteers. It's, I think it's a great picture of humility. I'm a lover of Facebook as well. And uh, yesterday I came across, I don't want to embarrass the person, but Liz, I came across a picture of Liz um, on Facebook who read the Bible, our first passage today, and there was Liz playing at piano, um, which she does very well, you know, on her own at times, but there, there was a great picture of Liz uh, playing Christmas carols at the war veterans' home um, over in the eastern suburbs of Adelaide. Um, you know, using her talents, using her time, using her skills to serve the elderly, men and women, who've, some who've served our country, but men and women who are aged, vulnerable, and yet in humility, there she is serving them for their own good. You know, whether it's the firefighters volunteering, putting their lives on the line for others, whether it's Liz playing the piano, or any one of us serving others, they're just really shadows, right, I think. They're, they're kind of glimpses of God's ultimate humility, God's ultimate actions. And when you picture in your mind that baby in a manger wrapped in cloth, what we're seeing is the humility of God, God putting our needs before his needs. And if you know the life of Jesus, Jesus' whole life was a life of humble service. He kept company with outcasts. He hung out with the kind of the untouchables. He, he wept for his enemies. He set an example to his followers by washing their feet. That was like the lowest job of the slave in anyone's house. And he also then hung on a cross for my guilt and for yours. And there are these really unusual bookends, right, to the life of Jesus. He's born with animals and he dies with criminals because he was humble. And the Apostle Paul, later in the New Testament, sums it up beautifully when he writes in Philippians chapter 2, speaking of this Jesus, whom we celebrate today, who grew up to be the Son of God, who grew up to be God himself, we read this, verse 5, chapter 2 of Philippians. Your attitude should be the same as that of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, even lower, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He is Lord. The same announcement, right, that the angelic hosts go, here is the Lord. So Paul says, Jesus is the Lord. True humility Becoming the tiny baby and living the life that followed. He didn't need the pain. But if we were to be saved from our moral frailty, from our physical frailty, we needed God to act as one of us on our behalf. God had to share in our experience in order to raise us up to something greater. God comes in Jesus from riches to rags to rescue you and me. And I love how this is captured by the great man C.S. Lewis in his book, Miracles, where he pictures a diver plunging down into the water. Check it out. One may think of a diver 
first reducing himself to nakedness, then glancing in midair, then gone with a splash, vanishing, rushing down through green and warm water into black and cold water, down through increasing pressure into death-like region of ooze and slime and old decay, then up again, back to colour and light, his lungs almost bursting till suddenly he breaks the surface again, holding it in his hand, the dripping, precious thing he went down to recover. He and it are both coloured now that they have come up into the light. Down below, where it lay colourless in the dark, he lost his colour too. The diver, diving into the dark. What's he diving into the dark for? For you. For you. You are that precious thing. You know, you don't meet your own standards. I don't meet my own standards, let alone do we meet God's standards. Yet you and I, you and I, the precious thing that God came into the world for. And when we see that picture of God's humility clearly, it challenges us to embrace that humility, doesn't it? To put others before ourselves in that same way. Richard Dawkins, um, evolutionary scientist and God's favourite atheist, um, was interviewed some time ago by Andrew Denton, um, uh, Australian um, TV personality interviewer. Uh, Denton asked Dawkins, what was, you know, Dawkins, uh, Richard, what is your life ethic? What is your life ethic? And he answered by saying, well, basically my life ethic is a variation on Jesus' golden rule. That's what my life ethic is. This is Dawkins' version, right, of his life ethic. He says, quote, don't do anything to others that you wouldn't want them to do to you. Get that? Don't do anything to others that you wouldn't want them to do to you. It's a variation, right? I think it's really weak. I think it's really disappointing. It's a negative variation of Christ's word and example. What did Jesus say? Jesus said active. He was active. Go. Go and do good to others as you would have them do to you. Actively put others first, not passively hope they don't hurt you or something like that. That's what Jesus did in his own life from day one. He did it for those who didn't even love him, you and me. I think this Christmas there's a challenge in the Christmas narrative. There's a challenge by looking at the life of Jesus to be scandalously humble like him to love the unlovely, to love your enemies. When you have a real picture of God, that tiny baby in your mind, I think it causes us to relate differently to others. I don't know, we had our series recently, um, Common Sense for the Silly Season. We we launched that series with how to deal with difficult people. Um, If you're a difficult person, welcome to church this morning. It's good to have you here. We thought about, right, what does it look like to to draw on God's incredible love and mercy for sinners like us? And that gives us the resources then to love difficult people. I don't know what Christmas lunch is going to look like for you today. I don't know what dinner is going to look like. Maybe you'll be full by then and don't want to go. I don't know. But I think there's a challenge here to be scandalously humble today like Jesus. And not just today, but every day. But Christmas, right, is not primarily about what we do. It's actually about appreciating what God has done for us, what God has done. The true picture of God has to be marvelled at, 
has to be delighted in, has to be appreciated. But in becoming a tiny baby, Jesus also became our total saviour. That's why the angels in verse 11 cried this, Today in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. Jesus is the king. He's the king in David's line, the great ruler that was promised from the beginning of the scriptures and promised all the way through the Old Testament, down through the years. Jesus has come. The king, the ruler who we've been longing for has arrived. And precisely because he will be a powerful ruler, he will be a total saviour of all of God's people. The tiny baby will grow into the total saviour of every man, woman and child who has ever walked the earth, who will ever walk the earth. He's the one and only substitute who can deal with your sin. He's the only way our guilt, our moral frailty can be satisfactorily and totally dealt with. There is nothing in your past, in your present or in your future that Jesus, this King, cannot redeem. And that's why this is worth celebrating. It's why the angels can say, don't be afraid. You see, the shepherds experience something of the divine. I I think it'd be kind of terrifying, right, to be out there just kind of looking after your sheep, getting on with your business, and then, you know, angels come. Don't be afraid. What do you mean, don't be afraid? I think it'd be terrifying. I think the angels are saying, you don't have to be afraid. It's a, it's a, what is it, a permissive imperative. There you go, a bit of grammar for you on Christmas Day. See, grammar's good for you. When you go to your Christmas lunch today, hey, we'll learn about permissive imperatives today. Wow, what are they? Let me tell you, you know. It's that you don't have to be afraid. Don't let yourself be afraid. Because God is moving in grace. You don't have to be afraid because God is moving in grace. You don't have to be afraid when God moves towards you in grace. You know, Martin Luther, one of the great reformers of the church, he spent years and years and years and years being gripped by fear and anxiety that he was not right with God until he grasped this truth, that God had moved to him in love, that God had moved to him in grace through the person and work of Jesus. And he recounted this, I quote, Though I lived as a monk without reproach, I felt I was a sinner before God with an extremely disturbed conscience. I did not love him. I hated the righteous God who punishes sinners. And I secretly, if not blasphemously, certainly murmuringly greatly, I was angry with God. You see, Luther had this picture of God. The God is angry judge. And he was trapped by fear of his own failings, trapped by fear of impending judgment. And I don't know, maybe even though you're here celebrating today, maybe that's you. But then Luther grasped the reality of what Christ had achieved. That God's humility guaranteed him salvation. That he had nothing to fear when God moved toward him in grace. And today we can have that same comfort. Because Jesus is the tiny baby but who became our total saviour. You know, maybe today the picture of Jesus as the tiny baby is one that you're really familiar with. I can control him. I can wrap him up in swaddling. 
But it would be remiss of me not to fill out that picture on Christmas Day. Jesus is more than just a helpless, dependent baby. He's the Lord to whom every knee will bow. Brothers and sisters, friends, I do hope that your Christmas today is all that you pictured it to be. I really do. But I hope at the centre of that picture is Jesus, the tiny baby, our total saviour. Let me finish with the words of Charles Wesley. Christ, by highest heaven adored, Christ, the everlasting Lord, late in time, behold him come, offspring of the virgin's birth. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity. Pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus, our Emmanuel. Hark, the herald angels sing glory to the newborn king. Shall we pray? Let's pray together. Gracious Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you this morning for your Son, the Lord Jesus. Uh, We thank you for the way that he came in great weakness. And Father, would grow to die for us in great agony, bearing our sins. Father, we thank you for his amazing love. And Father, for Jesus' wonderful humility. Lord, this day fill our hearts, we pray, just as you filled the hearts of the shepherds. Fill us with wonder. Fill us with appreciation. Fill us with delight, love and praise. And Father, this we ask for Jesus' sake. Amen. Thank you for listening to audio from City Light Church, North Adelaide. We hope you found it helpful and we'd love for you to share this message with others. For more great content, more information about City Light Church, or to donate to the work of City Light Church, North Adelaide, visit us at citylight.church slash North Adelaide.